Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever, and today we have a very special Q&A episode for you. We've got, of course, our producer Sanford and producer Adam here, but we also have a fabulous guest and friend of the show, Joey Thurman, celebrity trainer extraordinaire. And welcome, Joey. Thank you for joining us today. Well, you know, it's lovely to see all of you, and I love the intro, and I'm back on the podcast. I mean, I feel honored. Well, we are honored to have you here, and we have all these great questions that came in for both of us, and so we're just going to have at it. So, Producer Sanford, are you ready? I am ready. Here we go. Okay. Not only are you ready, but you're wearing your podcast Q&A green shirt. I have to throw I out. I am. I'm wearing green in honor of Juliana. Not in honor of Joey, but in honor of Juliana. That's fair. Yes. There we go. Um, here we go. Okay. First question comes it's from nice Instagram. nice to our guest, Sanford. <laughs> Always nice. I love our guests. Uh, first question is from Instagram from CavMom918. Um, her question is, how can I get all of my nutrients from intermittent fasting one or two times a day? I thought this was interesting. It is interesting. And actually, it keeps coming up in my life everywhere because I always talk about the six daily threes. And everyone asks me, they know that I only eat one or two meals a day. And everyone asks me, well, how do you get all of the six daily threes into one or two meals a day? And I think that's a really good question. I talk about the six daily threes as a way to prioritize what you put in your diet. So, you know, this is the, the thing you should get three servings of a day. And these are prioritized based on nutrition, like the things that are uniquely are unique in these certain nutrients that you can't get really elsewhere. And that's why I recommend prioritizing them. So this includes the six things are cruciferous and leafy green vegetables, other colored vegetables, fruits, nuts and seeds, legumes, and then mushrooms. And so although I'm kind of on the fence going back from mushrooms, I might be going back to movement. Just I might add that back. It used to be movement. And I think I'm going to add it back because I had a whole thing when working on my book. So my editor pointed this out. So anyway, mushrooms are very healthy. However, that sounds like a lot of food. But if you think about it, a cup of raw vegetables or half a cup of cooked vegetables is really not all that much. So really, this could look like a big, huge salad with a nut or seed-based dressing. Throw in some legumes, some beans or some lentils, and then add a couple things of fruit. And then like a big soup, like you can get all of that into just those few things. And then the other thing I would say is that no matter what your diet is, I recommend making sure you're taking a multivitamin, so you're covering your bases of just at least the nutrients that are notable, especially on a plant-based diet, the vitamins B12, D, and K2, and then iodine and zinc. So just to cover your bases, it's good to have that anyway. And that's it. I mean, it could be really simple. And my last point I want to say is that you know, with time-restricted feeding, intermittent fasting, just eating less frequently throughout the day, there's so many health benefits. And what we're really seeing is that the research shows that less may be more when it comes to health span. And so instead of being on this mission to get enough, enough, more, 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 maybe pulling back a little and say, you know what, I'm going to get what's most important and I'm going to eat a little bit less. And the research seems to support that. Yeah. I mean, I, I do fasting every single day and whether I'm trying to lean out or add muscle tissue, I think that's a a common misconception that you can't get, you know, whether you're counting macros or whatever diet you're on, you can get it in there. You just got to probably have, you know, more of it in there. If you're, if you're trying to go do a surplus, yes, you're going to have bigger meals, but as Juliana pointed, you want to feel good. So most of us are overnourished or, you know, we have too many calories and we're undernourished. So I would guess if you are thinking about doing intermittent fasting, and you're taking your time and, and you're trying to do all these things that are helping uh, with your health, 
you're probably more aware of what you're putting on your plate anyways. Um, generally, that that's what happens. So you're probably going to be doing okay. I recommend pretty much the same supplements that Juliana just said, you know, whatever diet you're on. I mean, people should be probably taking those anyways. So um, I just went plant-based myself as Juliana's smiling and people can't see that right now. <laughs> but, you know, I, I'm just looking at these things and there's a few things that I'm adding in just to make sure, you know, I'm recovering because I'm still working out one, two, sometimes three times a day, depending on what I'm doing. So you can absolutely get those in there. Um, but, um, Juliana spot on with, uh, the six daily threes. See why I brought Joey in here today. <laughs> Juliana is always spot on. And also Joey, we should also point out that if there are any, if there's any expressions that we use in today's, in today's podcast episode, um, let us know. Cause we'd like to start a merch shop with, with mm. stuff on it, stuff on t-shirts. Just we got it. Putting it out there. That's what we're going to have yours, Joey. The art of doing nothing needs to be one yes. I'm sure, from your yes. Love it. And we'll give you a cut of that, Joey. So don't worry. We'll give you a cut. Right. 1%. 1%. There you go. 1% of nothing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That was awesome. Um, thanks for that. That was actually really interesting. That was a, that, Thank you for the question. And thank you for those answers, you guys. Thank you for that. Um, our next question also comes from Instagram. Uh, Royal Cleanup Suta, as I believe the correct name. Um, and they want to know, what are your best cancer-fighting meals and foods? Yes. Thank you so much for this really important question. I want to kind of frame it by saying, of course, you need to speak with your physician. This is not a medical show, of course. But I also want to talk about the fact that cancer is so complex that there are volumes of books written about the different types of cancer, that every organ in our body has hundreds of types of different cancers that could happen. It's just, it's so incredible. And what makes it so complicated is that the main issue is that cancer is actually your own cells. It's not like this foreign body that comes in that we could take care of, you know? And so it is very comprehensive. And diet may play a role in certain cancers, but not every cancer. And it may be helpful in certain ways, but not in all ways. And it just depends on the type of cancer, the stage of diagnosis, your treatment, all of that. In fact, I just saw a study today in the Cancer Research Journal that just came out showing that um, there's more evidence that adhering to a healthy plant-based dietary pattern, so one that is based on whole plants rather than refined sugars and stuff that we always talk about here. And it showed that this may reduce the risk of breast cancer, especially those that are more likely to be aggressive. So you see this stuff kind of come up all the time. And so if you look at the preponderance of evidence, which is all we really can do, and you look at it from a general standpoint, there are certain foods that are associated with reducing risk for cancer. And that includes things like cruciferous vegetables, which is why they're in the six daily threes. They have this sulfur-containing compound called glucosinolates, and that has been shown to fight cancer. Same with the allium family, the stuff we find in garlic and onions and scallions, those kind of foods. Those also have wonderful properties that are helpful to fight against cancer. And then, of course, we know that fiber is so incredibly important for a million reasons in your body, but particularly, it does help protect against things like breast and prostate cancer and definitely colorectal cancer. Then, of course, mushrooms, which is why I try to add them into the six daily threes, have all sorts of cancer-fighting compounds in them, like loads of these phytonutrients that are very unique to mushrooms. Same with berries. Berries have all these wonderful things like flavonoids. And then I also recommend those nuts and seeds because some of those compounds can be found in those as well. So first of all is including a lot of those foods, go back to the six daily threes, and then, you know, making sure that you're 
reducing your exposure to things that are carcinogenic like animal products. That is why I recommend a whole food plant-based diet because there are compounds found in animal products that perpetuate the risk for different cancers. So sticking to whole plants, uh, eating all those colorful, eat the rainbow every day. That would be a good shirt. Eat the rainbow every day. We all need a reminder to do that. And, um, and try to stay as healthy as you can so that your immune system is as solid as it can to fight and take care of itself and protect against all of these, these cascades of, of processes that happen that the cancer process is. Yeah. I mean, Juliana nailed it right there. I mean, there, there's a bunch of foods that you should be having, but you also need to be aware of what you're, what you shouldn't be having. So she touched on meats, especially processed meats, really bad. The temperature that, that you're cooking your foods on, you need to be aware of that. So you could have asparagus, but you could grill that at incredibly high heat and you could char it and that, that could not be good for you. So just be aware of that and, and lifestyle factors, processed sugars and foods in general, probably going to want to stay away from that. Make sure you're sleeping, quality sleep, and we, we can get into that. But there's all these different things. So it'd be great if you'd be like, oh, you need to have asparagus and you're going to limit your cancer risk by 99%. Like there's all these things and there's these different factors and lifestyle factors. And we always think of it as, oh, diet and exercise. No, it's diet. It's exercise. It's sleep. It's family. It's meditation. It's everything that goes into that. And you could do all of these perfectly and you could still get cancer, unfortunately. But there are lifestyle factors that you can do and you can choose you and choose yourself now. Look at that. Um, and try to limit the risks. Well said, Joey. And that actually reminds me too with exercise, right? Exercise helps your your body lymph go through your system. So the detoxification process of your body is perpetuated by exercise. Every time you contract a muscle, you push the lymph through the system because you know our lymphatic system doesn't have a heart that's controlling the and pumping pumping everything through the blood. So for the lymph, it's your muscle contraction. So exercise is really, really important for improving your immune system as well. And so lifestyle, just like you said, Joey, thank you for that. I mean, movement is medicine, right? Movement is medicine. I mean, it's sometimes these, these phrases get thrown out, but that one for a reason needs to be there. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think the whole like pain is weakness leaving the body, that needs to go away because pain often is an indication that something is not right in your body. Uh, but movement is medicine, tremendous. I mean, even if we're sitting down for two hours, they, they've proven that we have less brain flow, uh, brain, uh, blood flow to our brain. And just getting up for two minutes and walking around can help that. So the, the, it, it's true um, that we just can't sit on our, I'll say butts, because I don't want to make this the, the R-rated one like I did last one. Um, but anyways, like movement for sure and lifestyle. And Juliana knocked it out at the park there. Thanks, Joey. Um, so on that note, you guys mentioned asparagus. Guys, just an FYI, I'm flipping some questions around. Um, Peter on Instagram wants to know something about asparagus, which Joey just talked about. He wants to know, he says, I love eating asparagus, but why, is it, why does it alter the way my pee smells? I have so many fun facts on this question. Are you ready, Peter? Are you ready, guys? Okay. First of all, do all of you three men sitting before me uh, smell that smell? When you eat yes. asparagus? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, all three of you. Okay. The reason I ask is, okay, first of all, what the compounds that cause that smell are these sulfur compounds, specifically methane thiol and S-methylthioesters. Now, this is what promotes that smell, causes that smell. But here's what's so interesting. There was a study in 2016 in the BMJ Journal sniffing out significant, quote unquote, P values, P-E-E values. 
And they found that 58% of men and 61.5% of women had anosmia. Basically, they can't smell it. They don't have the gene to smell it. So they may be going around doing their their piece somewhere else and not even knowing what they're contributing to our environment, that those of us that are the smellers, but many of the people, like more than half, can't even smell it. I don't think I've ever met someone, or at least I haven't asked someone that said no to that. That's so the first thing I ask people. Hey, can you smell? Hey, come here and smell my pee. I had asparagus. <laughs> it's a great icebreaker. <laughs> Carry on. I think we just, I think we just found the first question for for our single listeners out there. That could potentially be your first date question, your first question you ask someone on a date. If you don't want to go out a second time. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be the more questionable section of our merch. Actually. <laughs> Come here and smell my pee. Or right why don't we front. have a shirt? Why don't we have a shirt saying "Does your pee smell from asparagus"? Because, because we don't want to be arrested. That's oh, okay. why. <laughs> that was really actually, but that's really interesting, though. I mean, so there really is, there is a reason. There is a reason for it. There, you mm-hmm. know. Fun fact: Also, not only is there a reason, but there's also. Did you do? You, how many of you guys love or hate? How many of you guys love cilantro? Mm. Oh, I like it, but I know what's going. I know where this yeah. is going. Yeah, I, I sure I like it. Sure. If Does anyone wish, hate it? If it's, if, it's wish, if it's like lightly on something, then it then it's good. But it can overpower. I'm with Joey. I agree. I'm with Joey. Okay, I'm a cilantro lover, and I use it a lot in my recipes. So I've heard a lot of complaints about it. There's also a gene that causes cilantro to taste like soap or bugs. Hmm. I've I've heard the soap. I've heard the soap thing. Yes, I've heard that. That's interesting. So interesting. So we are genetically slightly different in these little kind of fun yeah. innuendo type of ways. I would love to do an episode about arugula. I'd love to break down arugula and, and why why we love it and why how it's good for us. Because personally, I love arugula. Okay, we're gonna you know we're gonna move on. We're gonna we're gonna move on from this. Um, here's our next question. This is from Lori Lori Clerkson from Instagram. How do you meet the different family needs of two vegan family members and two family members who are not vegan? She says it is stressful on a daily basis. Juliana, Joey, help Lori out, please. Go ahead there, Jay. Okay. I will tackle this, Jay, but I will say this. Um, It's actually not that big of a deal if you all come to an understanding that you do you, I do me, and we will take care of each other and make sure that everyone is happy. Then you think about it like, what is a vegan diet? Well, it's really like eating a bunch of side dishes, really. So you make all the side dishes and then the person that really wants the animal product can make the animal product. And you could always put like, put it on the side and add it in. And it could always be an additional part of a meal. So Whoever's cooking for the family, you know, whatever their preference is, they're probably going to have the priority in what gets actually put on the plate. But there's always a way to just build up. I used to make these huge meals for my family. And um, if someone really wanted to have an animal product, that was their, their they had to deal with that because I wasn't about to cook it for them. I mean, that was just me. Some people don't mind. Like I know a lot of people that are in mixed marriages, mixed relationships, where they are fine cooking animal product for their significant other or their kids or whatever. So it depends on you. You got to make everyone has to be happy. How do you make it work? So it's without judgment, without guilt and shame. It's like, how do we make this work so everyone is happy and gets food on the table that they prefer to eat? Yeah, I mean, I was going to pretty much say the same thing. You're, you're already cooking something anyways. So like whether whether it's, we'll talk about asparagus, right? You're making a big side of asparagus. And uh, if you want to, if you're making a chili, like Juliana, the chili that I made on Home Sweat Home, 
made a big chili and it was a bunch of beans, you could take a side of turkey or whatever it is, make that on the side, and people could throw that in there if they want to. It, it, it's simple when you think about it, but I know the frustration that people face. What, 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 like I said, whatever, you know, diet you're following, people always want to kind of push towards you having something else. Like, I don't, I don't know. It's a very strange thing that humans, like when somebody's trying to better themselves, whether it's working out or going plant-based or whatever, like, like, Oh, why are you doing that? That's, that's not good. Like, you know, make, make them their crap or cake or whatever the hell, if you're the, if you're the cook, then make yourself the healthy stuff and just, you don't need to make it a thing. Go ahead and, and eat the way you want to. And you don't need to point out what they're eating because, you know, if they're eating something that's not healthy for them, they most likely know about it. You know, I'm not going to tell somebody, hey, you know, that beer is not good for you. Well, they probably know that, right? Um, sometimes not saying anything is saying a lot. And then maybe down the road, they'll just decide to, you know, go that route of, you know, maybe I'll, I'll throw in some, as Juliana got me to, you know, years ago, eat more greens. Joey, just start eating more greens. I'm not telling you to not eat less meat, just start eating more greens. And I started that way. Uh, and then eventually my palate changed and, um, I was better for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, if I can add just two really quick things for, for our listeners, um, we have a, an interview coming up in a couple of weeks with, um, Drina Burton, who, why I find her interesting. It's a, it's a really great interview, but she raised three children, uh, uh vegan. Is that correct? Right. And so like, that's what they know. And it, that that stood out to me really. I just thought that was really interesting that, you know, kids will do what you tell, what kids will do sort of what Lisa Oz said, kids learn by example. And I think food is, is no different. Um, and the other thing is that chili that Joey cooked in home sweat home. If you go on Facebook um, and search home sweat home, all one word, 2018. So that's all one word. Go to episode five of the show. That chili that Joey makes in that episode is one of the best chilies I've ever had in my life. So there you have it. And that was just stuff that they had in their house. Yes, that's right. We just that's right. threw it together, um, you know, and my secret hummus ingredient, which is not so secret anymore, but even right. Harry Connick Jr. Hummus in your chili. And then, you know, right. loves it. Yeah. And as far as Juliana is concerned, hummus should be its own food group. It's that, right. that is a t-shirt, by the way. Okay, here we go. Moving on. Here we go. Our next question, I'm going, to, I'm going to butcher this name, so I apologize to our listener who put this in on Instagram, Ozuzay underscore Q. Um, this is their question, and I thought this was also very, very interesting. What should I eat when I'm depressed and have no appetite or energy? Yeah, so uh, if anybody's ever listened to any of my interviews or uh, the podcast I was on with Juliana, I, I struggle with depression myself. And I'd love to just give you an answer right now. Like I eat one food and it makes me magically better, but there are things that can help like um, increasing your BDNF, like brain derived neurotropic factor. Like there's a lot of foods that basically think of this like fertilizer for your brain. It just helps your brain. There's a lot of foods that can really help with that. Um, chocolate, kale, tomatoes, flaxseed. Um, there's a bunch of different plant-based foods that you can have that can help with it. Um, B vitamins can help with depression. Um, even having a plant-based protein is, is known to give more energy as well. So just by having uh, enough plants in your life and eating, eating the rainbow, as Juliana says, you're probably going to get a lot of those things in there. So by, by consistency, what you do today is going to affect your tomorrow, right? So you can, you consistently keep doing that and keep having these foods that are good for you and these whole foods, and you'll probably start to feel better. Um, there's actually a really good book called how to eat and beat, uh, depression, and anxiety by Dr. Drew Ramsey. 
um, who's a nutritional psychiatrist and he goes over all sorts of different things. And predominantly what he's putting in there is like people like plant-based foods. And he goes over every single micronutrient, macronutrient and what he's seen in his practice. Uh, so I recommend that one. I have, I have no affiliation with that <laughs> just to let you know. Um, but there's foods can really do a number on things and a psychiatrist now is starting to look at what you eat first and then obviously doing talk therapy as opposed to, uh, prescribing medicine. And by changing what you eat and having a bunch of greens and, you know, phytonutrients and antioxidants, this, they, they can really cover um, a wide uh, range of health benefits, benefits, which include depression, anxiety, and mental health disorders. Well said, Joey. Thank you. And also, Jay, I want to add that, you know, exercise or just going for a walk or some kind of movement, again, can help with your mood and at the same time can help increase appetite. So that might mm-hmm. be something to just kind of make sure you're you're including in your day. Yeah, that's good. And if you get outside, because most of us are lacking vitamin D and we, and it's free, the sun is free, right? We get outside, you do a workout outside and especially a resistance training workout. So often when I have people that like maybe are underweight and they need to add a little bit of weight, I'll have them doing resistance training workout. And then for most people, I wouldn't have them do an orange juice or something, but to get those calories in, I'll have them do that or maybe like a smoothie or something that's easier because sometimes people just chewing after they're working out. It's really hard for them to like, oh, I got to sit here and chew this salad. But like you put all the ingredients in there, you throw a banana that'll cut through anything. And that's how I started having greens myself. I like threw a banana in into spinach smoothies or I had an apple and spinach or kale and I took one bite and the other bite. And then eventually my palate started changing. So if you need to do that, if for some reason you need to get more calories in that, that's a good way to go about it. Like just to blend it up and drink it. You guys are so smart. That's why I love doing these Q and A's. You guys are so smart. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you for that. Okay. Our next question comes from Holly McLennan from Facebook. Um, Holly wants to know, she says she's a busy working mom. She wants to know how can you quit caffeine, but keep your energy levels up? And I would like to actually add something to that question, Holly, if you don't mind, I would also like to know just from you guys, like, why do you think it is that caffeine, at least in my opinion, gets like a bad rap? Like, is caffeine all bad? Is there, are there any pluses or health benefits to caffeine? Fill us in. Very good questions. All right, Jay. You want me to start? Yeah, you start. Okay, Jay. Um, Very good questions, all of them. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Sanford. Um, And yeah, caffeine really does get a bad rap. And interestingly, did you know that caffeine is the most widely consumed psychoactive drug in the world and that it contains one of the most comprehensively studied ingredients in the food supply? People consume it all around the world. Coffee, tea are the primary sources. Um, It's estimated that about 85% of U.S. adults regularly consume coffee, caffeine, at about two cups of coffee equivalents, which is like 180 milligrams a day. But there are, that's a really good question. Is it bad? Well, it depends on what your situation. For most people, it is totally fine. And there are some benefits. It does improve cognition, cognitive performance. It does, you know, it helps you stay alert and wakeful. It helps with performance on memory tasks. It helps with improvement of psychomotor skills, such as reaction time. So there are some really wonderful benefits of consuming caffeine. Is it safe? It is relatively safe for most populations. There are some vulnerable populations that you want to consider and talk to your physician about. Those would be like people who have severe cardiac disease because it does stimulate a modest increase in blood pressure. Uh, And someone that's maybe pregnant or breastfeeding, it can impact the growth of the fetus possibly. That's not even for sure. 
Um, and it could definitely impact the energy. If any of you have ever breastfed a child and had a tea or coffee before, you know exactly what I mean on how it could impact that child for most children. So other than that, like most people are, are perfectly safe to consume caffeine. And unless you're feeling something from it or it amps you up in a bad way or whatever, I wouldn't say you have to come off of it. What do you say, Jay? Yeah, I I love coffee and caffeine in general. Um, I structure it away in a way that it benefits my day. So one, if you wanted to maybe start cutting down your caffeine once, don't, don't have it once you wake up. Because once you wake up, your, your cortisol levels uh, are elevating. And people hear cortisol and I think el- they think they hear elevated cortisol and think, oh my God, my, my cortisol is elevated. This is natural. Cortisol wants to elevate when you wake up to get you up in the morning. So don't get, roll out of bed and try to drink a cup of coffee. Like That is going to basically negate some of your natural cortisol rise in the morning. So I tell people to wait at least 30 minutes, if not an hour and a half. So you're not blunting that natural cortisol response just to get you up, get light in your eyes in the morning, get outside back to more vitamin D, but the photons in your eyes can get your circadian rhythm going and then just get you more energy. And then you have your, you know, your, let's just say coffee, right? Which is for all intents and purposes. If you're adding a bunch of sugar and stuff to it, that's not good, right? But if you want to have that half an hour to an hour before a workout, that will help oxidize fat so we can utilize fat um, in our workouts. It uh, blunts the pain receptors a little bit. We can get uh, longer duration workouts um, that can really help. Uh, so I would say go ahead and do that. If you want the sustained energy throughout the day, sip your coffee throughout the day because uh, that will give you that low level energy as opposed to this huge spike and a big crash. If you're a female, then some females generally are slower metabolizers of caffeine. So I would say cut down your caffeine uh, re- you know, in the afternoon. You'll know if you had coffee at three o'clock and you can't fall asleep at 10 o'clock, you're still trying to metabolize that caffeine. Guys, if we're just talking about as a whole here, generalize, uh, generally metabolize caffeine a little bit faster. I would say maybe if you're having a, a meal with iron, there are some um, studies that say, you know, caffeine can limit the absorption of iron, but I really do think it gets a, a very bad rap and it's highly studied, a uh, high amount of antioxidant properties. So um, unless you're having an entire like pot of coffee every single day, maybe, maybe you need to bring that back, but, um, or you can even go something that a little bit less caffeine in it. If you want to drop your, down your caffeine, maybe do a green tea as opposed to like a really strong coffee. And then you want to drop it down that way, or you do a caffeine free weekend. So then your tolerance is going down and up or, you know, like people do meatless Mondays and flesh free Fridays and like all sorts of different things. I don't know if I made that up, but anyways, um, all you can, you can do a caffeine free weekend or a lower caffeine days. If you feel up, you wake up and you have a lot of energy maybe you don't do as much caffeine that day. So then the next day when you need it and you need that pick me up, um, then your body can respond a little bit better to it. That's great. Very nicely. Guys, you guys really do know what you're talking about. I love it. This is great. This is so interesting. Okay, here's our next question. This is from Ash Tucker on Instagram. Uh, Ash wants to know, what is the best way to transition a six-year-old who's a very picky eater to a plant-based lifestyle? Like you said before, Sanford, because we talked about this with Lisa Oz and really, and Brenda and with Drina, the best way to transition anyone a child especially, is by role modeling. Because no matter what you say, it doesn't matter. It's what you do that they're absorbing. So ideally, you're on the same page with with everyone in the house, the adults in the house, and then you just start eating that way. And that's what's on the table. It's like, this is a food. And so you find stuff that they like, but they're going to be really picky. And that's just very common. And the way you resolve that 
is by not giving them the second option. So if they say, I don't like that, you don't run and become short order chef and, or, and make them whatever they want. This is what's on the table now. So if you're not hungry, then sorry, <laughs> it sounds awful, but it's the only way really to get kids to eat the way you want them to eat any kid and forget the plant-based diet just to get them to eat their healthy vegetables, which every kid should be eating no matter what diet they're on. But it's all about what you're doing. If you're saying, go eat your broccoli and you're in the corner eating your ice cream, they're going to want to have the ice cream. They're not going to want to eat the broccoli. So what I used to do was like, oh, this salad is so delicious. I love it. I love it. And um, yeah, it didn't work so well, but they are coming around and my kids are a little older. So, but it's, it's challenging. I'm not going to lie. But if you're all on the same page, if the adults are all on the same page, it's much easier, much, much easier. Yeah. So uh, I have a three and a half year old. So what um, I found that um, parenting is all about is lying, bribery, and diversion. So that might be a shirt right there. So here's the thing. He, he's, he's three and a half and my mother-in-law makes like an amazing lentil soup. So what we started doing is we tried, we start, tried to start having him have vegetables right away because I felt like his palate would be, be better, um, you know, accustomed to that. So she starts blending up like different zucchini and carrots and things and puts them within the lentil soup or puts them within something that he's actually eating. So he doesn't know it's in there. Often kids see something green and they kind of freak out. Or, or if we make him a smoothie, we'll do like a blueberry smoothie and it's got kale or spinach or something in it. So it's blue and colorful. Um, and, and you can do that. So just hiding things within the food, especially for kids is good. And as Juliana said, if you're like, oh, this salad is amazing. Best thing I've ever had. Yes. They're going to want to try it and they're more likely to try it. So, um, lion diversion, bribery, um, and hiding things in the food. That's my advice. It's good advice. It's like anything it takes. <laughs> and Juliana, I don't, I don't know if you remember, but on your show, we had a chef who wrote a book about hiding healthy ingredients in do you remember this in like pasta and then uh, no and when that book came out there were a couple books that came out around the time and i had toddlers at the time so i was like i'm gonna try this and it was so much work you had to puree the vegetables and hide the vegetables and cook them and i did it for a little bit and then i realized you know what then how are they ever gonna go oh like recognize the broccoli or the back to asparagus recognize the asparagus if it's hidden in their food and so I kind of went away from that thinking, but I think that any way you can get it in, because at this point you just want your kids to have it in their bodies, you know, and you can't like vicariously throw it in their bodies. So I think that's one, just like do anything you can by all means possible. We started doing that. And then I told Frederick like, Hey, you know what you had yesterday that had this carrot in it, that had this in it. And like, Oh, and then, you know, he started going that way or finding like cartoons or different things where you see somebody like blippy, um, there's a character on YouTube, kind of annoying, but whatever. He's really, he's loaded. He's like eating a carrot one day or he's at a farm and he's eating that like Blippi eats this, you know? So uh, then uh, re uh, relating it to somebody else outside of the family, or maybe it's a, so, Hey, we, we always talk about, do you want to be strong? Do you want to grow up big and tall? Like we don't ever like, do you want to look better? We never do that. I think that's just good advice. Anyways, like mom and dad are going out for a run to be healthy, to be strong. Dad's going to lift weights so he can feel good. So I don't ever want to give him that complex, like with their, the media will do that enough to them. So, um, you know, that's what, that's kind of how we handle things with him, but he's three and a half, a three and a half year old is different than a six year old, six year old. I, I think that, yes. Okay. You're at broccoli, whatever we made this. So you're going to go hungry. I, I think that's also fair advice too, but every kid is completely different. So what works for one child is not going to work for the next child. So you just got to keep doing your best. And yeah, I just want to point something out before Adam asks something that Juliana, when we did that show, your kids were little. That's all I want to say. Okay, moving on. Yeah, and tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow my son turns 14. That's and incredible. I still haven't figured out how to get him to really love his vegetables. So I'm still working on it. 
incredible. Incredible. Well, that takes a long time sometimes. I thought that was incredibly detailed, and I don't have a kid, but when I do, that'll be great. I thought y'all were just going to say, like, plant-based chicken nuggets. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> great. I'm just going to get a bag of them. All right, fine. Uh, might still do that. Might do that for myself. Uh, all right. I, I, I got one. This one's for me. You're not going to find this on Instagram or anything like that. It's related somewhat. Maybe the predecessor to the kid thing. I'm getting married in October. All right. Congratulations. So we're still waiting for invitations. And everybody's Can't waiting wait for the that invitation. Yeah, Adam. Here we go. I've already all picked right, out my all suit. Right, all right. <laughs> now, prior to that, I'd like to trim a little. I have seen so many different things that I can do. I'll go out and get a run every day. Go for a couple of walks if you if you don't feel like doing that. Hit the gym, obviously. There are even some things that you could do if you're just in your apartment like I am. I'll tell you what I don't want to do before I ask the question. I don't want to do something like I did last summer, which is a which was a crazy fitness routine called 75 hard, which if nobody's read of it or heard of it, you do it. Basically it's this like 75 day thing where you're working out like crazy and you're just it's super restrictive. And it's good for the mind. It's hard on the body. Anyway, the question is, what can I be doing every day to help to trim down? Because some people say, oh, just, you know, knock out a couple push-ups in the morning. I'll wake up and do some squats, do some crunches, you know, whatever that is. And nobody doesn't have two minutes to get up from the chair, like you said. So what should I do? Go on, Jay. Yeah, so that's a fair question. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people say like, oh, you know, I, I do 20 pushups a day. I do whatever every single every single day. But here's the thing. Our, our body needs time to recover. So that workout routine that you told me about sounds crazy for someone who is deconditioned, hasn't ever worked out or hasn't worked out in 10 or 20 years. I feel like they're going to overtrain. They're going to break down their muscle tissue. They're going to just be, overshoot themselves. It's like doing a crazy diet. It's just it, it's too much too fast. There's something called the bare um It's not the bare minimum. The um, I'm blanking the uh, minimum effective dose. There we go. Uh, And there's something called the Henneman size principle. So these are all just big words to say we need to do just a little bit more than our body is accustomed to. Okay, so for people that want to maintain muscle tissue, five sets per week per muscle group at one to two reps in reserve, meaning you can't do one or two more reps with good form. Okay, so five sets shoulders, five sets, you know, legs, five sets abs, all that sort of stuff. Okay. And you want to do them generally every other day. If you want to add muscle to tissue, 10 to 20 sets per week. So if you're going to go with that push-up routine, I want to do push-ups every single day because then you're just going to get an overuse injury. So maybe you do three sets of push-ups pretty much to failure on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So then you're at nine sets right there. You probably weren't doing as much. Okay. And then you really want to focus on posterior work, rows, pull-ups, uh, all that sort of stuff for your back. That's very beneficial. Uh, 10 minute walks after every single meal postprandial will help digestion of your food. If you're not walking, you're not doing anything right there. Just the 10 minute walks, brisk walks like your you know, grandma used to do in the mall. 10 minutes after every single meal right there. If you eat three times a day, that's 30 minutes of walking every single day. And there's something that I call exercise snacking or burst workouts where you do six to seven minutes of work before your meal, which will allow your body to absorb those nutrients as well. Even if it's a bad meal, like a a piece of cake, your body's going to absorb that much better. So if you do like a six minute incline walk, or you do that push-up routine or mountain climbers or something right that beforehand, you did seven minutes there, you get your meal in, you do a 10 minute walk and you do that three times a day right there. That's an hour of working out in a day. I don't know who in the hell said they need to work out for an hour a day to get results, but that right there that I just spelled out for your wedding in October, that will help get you a long way. 
And interesting, isn't that what can are we allowed to do this? Because if not, we can have Adam cut this out. But this is what your book is about that's coming out next year. Yeah. They're pretty much, yeah, the very minimum. Uh, the least you can do to be the best you can be. Working title, but I think we're going to stick with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's really what it's about. And I, I, as a fitness expert for a long time, have been preaching what Adam said, the 75 days in hell, whatever that workout was. Like, it, it's too much for most people. Like, it's great that you played high school football 20 years ago, man, but like, you're not, you're not doing that. Like, your knees are 20 years older, your back, everything. So it, it's just it doesn't make any sense. And I want to apologize for the, uh, for the fitness experts that have been saying that you need to do everything else. Because if you've never lifted a weight in, in your day, in, a, in your life, one set of almost maximal uh, work can increase your strength. I'm not saying you only need to do one set, but there's all this research that these minimum effective doses can keep you moving forward and get gaining more strength or muscle tissue, which help increase your metabolism, burn more fat, blah, 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 blah all that sort of stuff. We're just doing too much, too fast. You're going to burn yourself out if you're trying to work out every single day for your wedding in October. Start with that and then think, what am I not doing? And then start adding that in there. If I was training a professional athlete that was a football player, I'm not gonna be like, hey, we're gonna go play football. No, what are you not doing? You're probably not doing balance work. You're probably not doing mobility work. So I'm just giving you those little bit of things that you're not doing to help your overall you know, brain, body, mind, soul, spirit, all that sort of stuff. Jay, that was awesome. And like, I love this. I want to like riff on this for a second because it's so good. And I, this whole exercise snacking thing, genius. Love it. Brilliant. It goes back to our first question about minimum and like maybe less is more with food, less is more. That's why the time-restricted feeding, intermittent fasting, all the different types of fasting is so effective. Less maybe more for health span. And I love the way you're approaching this. I think that's fabulous advice. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, much hey, appreciated. That list of things I don't do might be a little too long for right now, but that's okay. I'll I'll work back. <laughs> Adam, what was that program that you did again? What is that called again? Seventy-five hard. It's pretty extreme. I it's technically part of a three hundred sixty-five day thing. It's just the most publicized first chapter of it. Look it up if you want. Look it's it up, really y'all. It is a scary, scary thing. When I first met Adam, it's one of the first things we discussed, and I thought, oh, I can try that. Oh no, I couldn't. It is. No, it's it's you, yeah, six or seven weeks, and you're like, okay, cool. And then like the last twenty five days, you just want to stop. But, anyway, you, anyway. but you did it. But you did it, which is incredible. If you you want all the way through, yeah. If you want a tangible program, get my fast results program on OpenFit. OpenFit.com forward slash Joey. Try it out for two weeks free. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's that? a shameless plug in there. No. You're the best. You're the best. Okay, here's here's our last question. This was great, you guys. This was so great. Here's our last question. This is from Instagram. Um, C.G. Doshi on Instagram wants to know, very simply, do you meditate? Ah, such a good question. I wish my answer was yes every single day, first thing in the morning for at least an hour. But my answer to that really in real life, to be fully transparent, is I need to do it more often. So beneficial, so healthy, such a great way to start your day or to incorporate in your day because of just mental clarity and focus and calm and grounding. But alas, I need to work on that. So I do recommend everyone work on that. I do have, I love the um, the app, the Calm app. I happen to love that one. And I was doing the daily meditation. So when I'm on a roll, I'll do like those 10 minute things, daily meditations, because at least it's like something small, but it's like, it feels tangible and as opposed to like a big part of my morning. 
But um, I do highly recommend that we all <laughs> work on meditating a little bit more. Joey, you, do, you, do you meditate? Because you are always, I don't, I've never met a hustler like you. You're always doing something. Do you meditate every day? Um, so I wouldn't say that I meditate to give it a, a definition, but what I started doing at night is when I lay down, I'll either turn on some rain music, like rain noises and things, and I'll sit there and I'll think about, often I visualize a chalkboard um, and writing a number on the chalkboard and erasing that chalkboard and think about how my body is feeling, which is a form of meditation. Um, but I try to add these things in there, whether it's even a couple minutes after a workout, which um, going from um, sympathetic nervous system to parasympathetic, where I just lay down and have my legs up and just focus on my breathing and my breath and how I'm feeling and visualization. They've even proven now that you can visualize muscle tissue growing and working and I could actually help. So just thinking about that and being more within yourself and being aware of your own surroundings, that is a form of meditation. And as I talked about on the last podcast, like the art of doing nothing, right? Like we just, it just shut down and even just go outside and close your eyes and just feel feel the wind and the smells and, and just anything, just listen to your environment. You don't need to go and like be on the top of some sort of mountain and cross your legs and shave your head to be a, to, to meditate. Like there, there's so many um, benefits to it. So just, just taking that time, even a few minutes to yourself and eventually getting using a calm app or anything else like that. Um, I think that self-guided uh, meditation or even yoga Nidra, look that up. Um, there's a lot of things on YouTube about yoga Nidra, just, you know, that you're just listening and you're following that guidance. Um, and that's really good for, you know, brain, um, and body and just calming you down, or even just, if you're upset, go into a different room and take some few deep breaths or look up box breathing or, uh, parasympathetic breathing or belly breathing, which you don't technically, you can't breathe in your belly, but your belly gets your extends. So that's why they call it that. Um, so your lungs fill with air, not your belly people. So, um, that's, that's what I do. And I, I have found it beneficial and I'm doing more and more of it. But as Juliana uh, pointed out, like, um, most of these people you see on social media, this is what I do every morning. No, you don't, you don't do this every morning. Nobody does these things every single morning, 365 days a year, like life happens. So be aware, like what you see there isn't necessarily, you know, what people are doing, but it is good practice. And, and I, I understand where they're, hopefully their heart is at. Right. Uh, so that's my advice. Hopefully that helped. And, and, and for our listeners, by the way, you can also listen to Juliana's mindful meditation, um, on food, eating and, and your body. And it was released on May 12th. So take a listen to that. It really is a lovely, it's a lovely episode that we did and it's there for you whenever you need it. So, um, I highly recommend that as well. Thank you, Sanford. And that reminds me too, and what you said, Jay, is that it doesn't have to be a formal practice, that we talk about mindfulness in all of our life. And that's that's what the Choose You Now Diet is about, is about being mindful in your eating. That's what that meditation was about, is just applying mindfulness throughout your day, and you get a lot of the benefit just by being present in the moment. Agreed. Well, well that, that'll do it. That'll do it for this Q&A. That was, gr that was, a, that was great. Thanks, you guys. Really great stuff. Thanks for, thanks for listening, and thanks for uh, giving us some really interesting, astute answers. Even you, yes. Joseph. For those who are listening, you can't see it, but Joey's holding a pen, and Joey's holding him, actually, as is Adam, and the pens make them uh, feel smarter. So the pens did their job today, so there you go. Well, I would beg I to differ that. and Thank say you. that Joey is naturally very smart and he's very inspired. <laughs> yes, he, he is. Had him on Mr. Sanford. He so is. No, he is. Joey, you're the best. Thank you.
Thanks for doing this, Joey. Thank you. You're the best. You really are. Yes. Thank you, Producer Sanford. Thank you all so much for being here. And thank you, all of you, for listening and for sending in your wonderful questions and comments. Please keep them coming. And if you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, please subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send us an email with your questions and comments at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. For nutrition services and more information, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.